0: Welcome back to There Will Be Spoilers. Uh, I'm Matt Bezell.
1: And I, as always, am Ethan Knight.
0: And we're here with episode 11, AFI's number 90, 1936, Swing Time.
1: Swing Time.
0: What what was it described as? A musical romance?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that you could call it that, yeah.
0: (laughs) I would call it a bunch of different things maybe sexist and racist and classist among those?
1: Yeah, I think you could call this Well, there were two other titles for this film that they ended up not going with because the studio didn't like it. And they were something like Never Gonna Dance Again and No More Dancing or something like that. And the studio was like, No one is gonna see a movie where no one's dancing.
0: It's called No One Dancing, yeah. It's right. the uh the blockbuster. No one
1: dances. No one dancing.
0: Although, if that movie had been advertised as such to me, I would probably be more likely to see it. Mm.
1: Well, you know, as a rule, I really don't like musicals. Right. Although, well, let's save it. We'll get to this. I would like to say a disclaimer, uh, I'm ill. So that's why my beautiful, beautiful voice that I know all of our thousands and thousands of listeners, all of our tens of
0: tens of listeners,
1: (laughs) wait on the edge of their seat to hear it's marred by some sort of wonderful infection. I don't know what Mm, it is.
0: It sounded just the same to me. So I guess it's not that marvelous. (laughs) Well, why don't you put that subpar voice to use with a synopsis of what happened in this film?
1: I will do that for you, Matt. Swing Time is the story of performer and gambler, Lucky Garnet, whose fiance's father tells him he can only marry his daughter if he pays him $25,000, or maybe if he earns $25,000, it really doesn't matter. Lucky and his magician friend Pop head to New York where they meet dance instructor Penny and her friend Mabel. The two couples pair up as Lucky is an excellent dancer and Pop and Mabel are really good sidekicks and they dance and they gamble and they sing and do the things you do in musicals. Lucky, though, um, though he's interested in Penny, hides both his interest in her and his engagement uh, despite her strong affection, much to her frustration. Pop eventually spills the beans to her, um, and when Lucky's fiancé shows up at a performance, Penny ends the relationship and agrees to marry Ricardo Romero, uh, a band leader who has been pursuing her fairly strongly. Margaret, uh, Lucky's fiancé, eventually reveals to him that she doesn't want to marry him, which she's really happy about, and Lucky and Pop somehow confusingly foil the marriage, and then everybody lives happily ever after in the end.
0: So I think... He sort of glossed over the beginning instances where Lucky misses his own wedding because the other dancers in his troupe are basically being assholes and say he needs to have cuffs on his pants. And they basically just get him to gamble and stuff and miss his own wedding. So when he shows back up to his fiance's house, uh, her father's like, you're no good. And he's like, well, I just made 200 bucks. Doesn't say it was gambling. This is OK. Well, you should go to New York and then you make 25 grand. I'll let you marry my daughter. I'll give you my daughter's. What he says, I think, almost verbatim.
1: Yeah, it's it's contrived. It's ridiculous.
0: It's contrived. It's also incredibly, you know, paternalistic. Oh my god! Um, yeah,
1: literally, it's, he's like buying this guy's daughter. He's like, he's like, he says, "How much would you?" Doesn't he say, "How much would you sell her to me for?" Or how much would you yeah, give her to me? 15, for? Fifteen.
0: No, twenty. Twenty. Twenty-five. No, wait. How could you make twenty-five? Right, but really, this movie, the plot doesn't matter. Really. Sure. <laughs> Except for the parts where you can kind of critique
1: it and, and say, like, these things are Oh, my deplorable. God, yeah. In fact, this movie would be... I Well, I'm just going to come out and say it. This movie would be probably ten times better. Well, maybe not ten times. I don't know. It would just be considerably better if it was just some nice dance numbers and a little singing.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I do want to sort of touch on some of the things that I mentioned earlier. So this is 1936 when this film is, yeah. is put out. So it's during the Depression. And all we see is moneyed individuals with no cares in the world.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. They they blow money left and right. They pull out fat stacks.
0: Yeah, liquid money, <laughs> right? Lucky buys uh, Maple a diamond bracelet. And, you know, he's he has to stop himself from gambling so he doesn't make more money, which is never experience of my i don't particularly like gambling not like morally or anything i just don't find it fun but it's never been the people who've gambled in my life have never had that similar experience
1: i mean i love to gamble but i he's a
0: he's an uncommon gambler remember so
1: right i mean yeah the whole the, the whole like shtick in this is that eventually he has to stop himself from gambling like he stops trying to win Because he doesn't want to get the $25,000 so that he goes back and marries this girl because he really is in love with Penny. Uh, And of course, this is Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers in the -hmm. the lead roles.
0: Yeah. So, Ginger Rogers' character, you already said, is named Penny, right? It's another capitalistic sort of term there. Oh, yeah. Everything is made fluid with money, you can buy anything with money. He goes to New York is pretty much a dancing bum at that point until he sort of just maneuvers his way into more money. He and Pops doing magic tricks and gambling, right? So it's not even, like, the best uh, story in terms of, like, feel good about these characters.
1: Yeah, the the plot really is there to move these characters into dance numbers and two little comedic bits which some of them were genuinely pretty funny and i laughed at
0: so i think my favorite comedic bit was where he shows up at his fiance's house and everyone looks at him angrily and then the dog barks at him the cat him. oh my at god and then the him, painting then the, is grumpy the pain frowns at him and then by the end of it they're all rubbing up against him and then the painting is smiling i was like that's pretty good
1: right that the best part of that was that the so the dog bark and the cat hiss, I was like okay and then he looks even the painting looks grumpy and the, but then at the end when the painting is like smiling at him it was like something out of uh that movie airplane like it was yeah. fucking ridiculous
0: <laughs> and it was pretty it was pretty funny yes but those little light moments of dancing which once i see like one tap dancing routine i feel like i've seen them all oh in, well in you know i kind of
1: disagree because i love the dance numbers in this i like three or four times i was like shit holy shit i mean i was well i understand it's
0: impressive but can you really hold this apart from yankee doodle dandy and say like these are distinctly different dance routines
1: yeah i think so and they do a bunch of different kinds of dance and yeah i would say yes not that i know really the biggest difference but i feel like there's some difference there
0: it was like oh hey it's dance number time time for me to like glaze over and just oh no I love, I love i love that shit
1: i love to see especially tap dancing in the in black and white man just I, but if you remember back to yankee doodle dandy and maybe you can even play a clip of me saying something like i was like oh shit when he did that one little thing and i like rewound it like three times to watch him do a little dance move that i love that i love that crap i really enjoy it so i'm biased but, and, and to the point where I was like, can we stop singing? I want to see more of the dancing.
0: Yeah, so along the lines of the singing, there was one song in particular that I found to be just like crazy bad. What is it, Romance is Gone or Romance is.
1: Oh, with the, when they're in the snow. Yeah. And yeah, it was like, this romance is no mance or something like that. <laughs> and
0: the they're job. talking about like tomatoes and mashed potatoes and jello. And I was just yeah, like, who she's, wrote she's this? Like, this is terrible. Tomato.
1: you're you're gonna eat some mashed potatoes
0: yeah it was just (laughs) the craziest thing but you're right there is no story in these movies this is one of 10 films that ginger rogers and fred astaire did together although this this is is supposed
1: to be the best one they did it's supposed
0: to be the best one but even then they say like the plot's not supposed to matter or make a whole lot of sense it's just these two singing and dancing and probably romantically involved together
1: and this is really my complaint with musicals in general is that the plot in musicals often makes no sense? And if you think about it for longer than a, than like the moment that it's happening, you're like, why is anybody do like why would you do any of this? For example, at the end of this film, my in my synopsis I say like I don't know they don't she doesn't want to marry him, and so then they like pull it they they sort of pull they redo the thing at the beginning with the cuffs, but it doesn't make any sense because they come down and his pants are in in pop's pocket and then he comes down wearing his like his servant's pants his which, racially course, his is super
0: racistly portrayed servants pants, right yeah
1: right the the only black guy in the film aside from the giant blackface minstrelsy extravaganza
0: yeah the mr bojangles
1: yeah the bojangles scene uh the one black guy comes in and it's i mean it's pretty bad i think there's it's some gats and does in there, there and then there he is, gives up his simply... pants and he's like walking around with no pants on and this, for some reason and then they're all laughing <laughs> and the and then he's like the and of course ricardo the he's sort of like the love interest foil i guess i don't know and he comes and of, and he's his name's ricardo so he talks like, you know he's got a fucking ridiculous accent and he's yeah. like, you don't want to marry me, huh? And she's like, no, no. And he's like, Ha-ha-ha. she's like,
0: he's like, going to marry him now? And she's like, I guess so. Is there a literal? <laughs> right. Dialogue? I mean, I think those. Are the and then lines. he's like, cool, let's sing about it. And then he like sees them off and is like, I'm over it, even though you just stole my fiance.
1: Right. And throughout the whole movie, he's. He's a roadblock The whole His whole character serves as a roadblock Although he's a little rapey And that makes me uncomfortable too It's just not really anything Well here it's
0: supposed to Because The villains in this film Are all foreigners mm-hmm. Right? So you've got Dice His I don't know if this is his actual name That's what Lucky calls him It's what is it Raymond Dice With the little all the pencil thin mustaches Oh yeah And they're all supposed to be Foreigners Maybe Spanish or something like that
1: Yeah they're like Spanish or something
0: ricardo's the actor who plays ricardo he's actually romanian but i think Why, he's affecting really? a spanish accent for this and so it's all very racist depictions are racist everyone except the main characters who are all white yes right? okay so, so i'm ginger gonna ju- i'm gonna steal what super you like white, to do? super redhead yes yeah. well she's
1: a they say she's a redhead but it's in black and white so they could say she has purple hair and you wouldn't know <laughs>
0: her name's ginger so i feel like that's some <laughs> i mean into i guess it.
1: yeah I think she was really blonde in real life, but I don't know. But I'm gonna steal your the thing you always do, and I want to skip ahead and buck our whatever we do, whatever this is we do. Our themes. organization we
0: usually do themes,
1: right? I I want to first talk about. I want to put my thesis statement out there for this film because sure I knew it almost immediately, and you know and I didn't even write this down because it's literally that simple. It's as simple as this. This movie, if you were to put it in a, in a thesis statement, the argument of this movie is that if you're a white guy who you know is the good looking and can dance, you can essentially lie and abuse women, hurt foreigners, you can steal money from people, basically the clo literally the clothes off people's back. You can do all these. You can do whatever you want, and as long as you're white and a male and you can dance, you get you get what you want in the end.
0: Yeah. So. Y- My thesis is actually scarily similar to yours, but before (laughs) I go into it, I wanted to mention, I texted you before uh, we recorded a couple hours after I had seen the film and said, Ginger Rogers really props up Fred Fred Astaire in this film. And it's why they did 10 films together. It's because she's kind of a gorgeous star in this. And he's always been critiqued for not being classically handsome. Which you know clearly he's not. But he's very talented, and so they're like, "Well, Ginger Rogers would be the the pretty face, right?" Right. So. He
1: kind of. He does kind of look like a skeleton. Yeah. And goddamn, Ginger Rogers in that white dress at the end when they did that when they do the dance where he's like, "I'll never dance again" or whatever it was. Yeah. God, I literally, out loud, I was like, "God damn!" When she was like dancing that dress, I. Oh.
0: I'm not allowed to say that, I'm a married man. Oh But yeah. um, there might have been an echo in the room. <laughs> In any case, my thesis, like I said, very similar to yours. I did write mine down. It says, money does buy everything, as long as you're a white American and not some filthy foreigner.
1: Right, yeah. Everybody, it, it's all of the the foreign people get screwed over, and the women. And this, I mean, this movie, uh, I think, really shows that there's that, that quote, right, that Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did but backwards and in heels. And, you know, it's widely attributed to a bunch of different people. But this movie, and in fact, I, in the first dance scene, I looked it up because I was like, is this backwards and heels? This is where this comes from. Because that's literally what she's doing. When, she, when they're doing those dances and she's got high right. heels on, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, how? How can well, you do this and not fall over and die?
0: The final dance number that they did took 43 or 48 takes. And by the end of it, her heels were filled with blood
1: oh my god i believe it because like the sheer talent to be able to leap and do all these things i mean she's spinning and leaping and i mean she might as well be doing backflips and she's a much heels. better
0: singer than fred astaire is in addition and a much better actress and that's what another thing that they talk about is how fred astaire can't Uh, act well and so they just focus on Ginger Rogers because she's just better at all three things, right? So yeah. uh, I was in England, we had like this session with some famous British theater critic and she talked about how Americans have it the worst because they're expected to be triple threats. You have to sing, act, and dance whereas British people can just do one of the three. So I think Ginger Rogers is kind of the epitome of that statement.
1: Yeah, I mean, again... This is a this is an explicit episode, but goddamn, watching her do all of these things and and look beautiful while she's doing it just it floored me.
0: Yeah, and then compare that to she's actually treated in in life, like in reality, and then also the film where she's accosted by a police officer after she goes to him with a an actual complaint. This man stole my quarter.
1: Right, pop stole her money.
0: Yeah, and so the police officer says, "Come over here." She's. Get out of your girl. Like, you're kind. Like, basically calling her riffraff. And he's like, tells to Lucky, hey, guys, like, you pay me to take care of stuff like this. I think he says crazy games like that or something. Yeah. And her name's Penny, so she's the lowest money denomination in American currency. Where he's Lucky, everything goes his way. He's an uncommon gambler. So, really, it's kind of atrocious. So, even if you can say, I have to imagine that this film was on the list because... It's, you know, unrivaled song and dance numbers. And apparently it helped revitalize the musical in a lot of ways, the Hollywood musical. Right. So you don't get Yankee Doodle Dandy without this, things like that. True.
1: And I will say that 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 dance number, those dance numbers, man, again, goddamn.
0: Yeah. So actually, why don't we do this? Why don't I take us to our pivotal scene, which is actually the dance number after the Pick Yourself Up song. So Mm -hmm. Penny is fired. And then Lucky is like, no, she's a great teacher. Look at all the stuff she taught me. So let's give that a listen.
1: Listen, Don't. no one could teach you to dance in a million years. Take my advice and save your money. Miss Carroll, how do you think this school can exist if you turn away applicants? What? You're discharged. But, mister... Get your things and go. But I... Get out.
0: But no, no, that's quite all right, don't you worry. I'll find you another instructress right away. You now, understand? you stay right there.
1: So this is the way you treat your customers?
0: Well, I certainly don't treat them to sandwiches.
1: Get out of here. Miss right. Anderson, what is the meaning of this? What's gotten into everybody this morning? My sandwich got into him. You're fired. Okay, Swivelpuss. And it might interest you to know that I've also discharged Miss Carroll. You've discharged Penny? Why? Oh, uh, why, for no reason at all. Uh, please see her. But she said she couldn't teach you anything. Oh, well, she was just trying to flatter me. <laughs> yes, she's the most wonderful little teacher I've ever heard of. <laughs> it's most exciting. Oh, uh, Miss Carroll. I want to show Mr. Gordon how much you've just taught me. No, never mind. Oh, thank you very much. That's very sweet of you. I'm, uh, please. I'm very anxious for Mr. Gordon to see this because I think it's the most interesting experiment. Now, um, how did you say that last step went? uh, uh oh, yes. Uh,
0: Okay, so, you know, here's Lucky. Again, he's lucky, right? So he showcases his talent. Everything falls his way. And he's got a lot of talent, right? But it all just happens to work out for him. And now Penny's sort of in debt to him. And they've gotten the ball rolling. And they're going to make him a lot of money by, show, like you know, trying out at this place. And then, you know, eventually that's how he, in fact, makes his money.
1: Right. And, of course, I mean, this is the deal. Everything bad that happens to Penny is because of Fred Astaire. She right. loses her job because he's an asshole and, like, wants to, you know, get with her. And it all stems from him borrowing the money from her but then having to get the pe- the quarterback. And, you know, because the cop harasses her because of him. She loses her job and gains it back because of him. Then there's the whole fact of all of the dancing... So, I glossed over this in the synopsis because it's just not... I mean, I mean, I guess it's important, but the plot in general just isn't important to this movie. But they keep... Ricardo, whatever his name is, Richard Ricardo, Ricky Ricardo, whatever his fucking name is, is the band leader, and he's the best band leader or whatever. But he... his, they, The people that own these clubs keep gambling his contract away. Fred Astaire gambles and gets it back or but... All, there were a bunch of like Penny wants to perform at this place and then can't because Fred Astaire doesn't show up and then she's supposed to perform after his big minstrel extravaganza and then like leaves because she's upset because of the because he upsets her with his fiance
0: well what actually happens there is that he loses the contract again
1: yeah oh yeah and he, well right he loses the contract even if she wanted to perform she can't so like and and we're talking I mean this is her livelihood. This is yeah. everything she wants. to even say at one point, Mabel is like, "Isn't that what you want?" Right? And she's like, "She's like, yes, of course."
0: Well, also, I wanted to circle back around to the capitalistic take again. At one point, Lucky says, "I own you to to yeah. Ricky." Once, so it's just very clear, very very clear. I don't know if this was appealing to nineteen mid nineteen thirties Americans because they're not most of them moneyed individuals, right? So. I don't know if that's what that's about or if this is for the people who are not greatly affected by the Depression.
1: I mean, it's hard to say. This is a great segue into the themes of this film. And I think the number one theme of this film is spectacle. This film is full of, you know, essentially good looking people, well-dressed people, high society people doing things normal people can't do both monetarily and physically right i mean they're dancing these crazy dances they're you know they're cavorting around in furs and there's that ridiculous scene where they're in the winter and they have the convertible car and the top is down like they're driving around in cars they're in new york city this movie is all about showing you all the things you know it's it's transporting you to a world where everything is coming up roses for for you
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And also, this is reflected in the actual production of this because Mm -hmm. that big minstrel extravagance he talked about, none of that looked cheap. There's like 30 backup dancers. Oh, my God. I was kind of surprised at how risque a lot of these women were dressed in this 1936 production.
1: Oh, my God. Yes. And there's that scene with Ginger Rogers and her nips are just out. Like, that she's wearing.
0: Didn't want to say it
1: oh no but the, but I was like I was like is this for real in 1936 like she's in essential I mean that dress looks thin as can be
0: well I had done some reading up on this um, about the film and they said this is before the uh, what were those called the basically codes that were put in that you know you oh, can't this is, you this can't is say before the things. Hollywood code yeah, this is where the codes where it's like, okay, priests can't be bad guys, among other things, right? But oh. yeah, so it was right before this, so that might be part of it. And so maybe with what we kind of typically associate with the 30s and 40s, that sort of conservatism is not actually there yet. But I was really surprised by a lot of this stuff. Yeah. But yeah, spectacle, absolutely, right? So this kind of brings us right around to 2016, now 2017, where we've got... It seems like gratuitous nudity and violence in everything right spectacle is the name of the game in hollywood these days
1: right that's well that's the idea of the summer blockbuster right topping every like to the point where it's you're watching cartoons right like avengers it's just it's essentially a computer cartoon or or star wars or whatever it's you know the, you need something bigger and better
0: or why every hbo series has to have like gratuitous sex and violence in it right like it's yeah. like a requisite I think you've kind of nailed it with that theme. Like Spectacle is the name of the game. It's Spectacle and Money's a part of that. Mhm. And the extravagance, the display of it, right? Just the scale of stuff.
1: Yeah, the, well that's I think the Bojangle scene is a great example of that. The yeah. scale of things that you're talking Which about. Which shows both
0: money, scale, extravagance, and you know, the risque outfits of these women, right? right. So
1: And racism.
0: And <laughs> racism. Yeah. So it, it kind of encapsulates that scene, I think, maybe that should be the pivotal scene, uh, sort of encapsulates everything about the film.
1: Speaking of that as, as a pivotal scene, though, I will say I, I took a graduate course this semester called Blackface Minstrelsy, uh, and we watched this. Oh, really? As, as one of the things we looked at, because, I mean, it's ridiculous. And, and now having seen the entire film, it makes almost no sense for this to be in there there's no reason that he should be blacking up and i mean this is 1936 and so i mean you know minstrelsy blackface minstrelsy hasn't gone away but we're coming to the end of like these at least in america these really big sort of right
0: which is kind of the same comment we had about yankee doodle dandy when they had their family minstrelsy show which was like you know you could read that as an earlier time because that at least had some time movement in that film whereas this takes place all within like a couple nights or weeks or months really
1: well, who knows what time doesn't matter in this story? Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs>
0: it's like they miss something, they still try trial- like everything like you said, everything goes up, comes up roses for them. But so I wanted to bring us back around to the very beginning. The conceit of the film is that if you get 25 large, you can marry my daughter. You can have my daughter. I'll mm-hmm. give you my daughter. And then the end is equally absurd in which, oh, I'm not going to marry this guy anymore. Why? Because Lucky stole his pants, I guess. Like it's not really clear because Lucky stole they his show pants. up before and she says, well, I'm still going to marry him. And then he's like, but we're laughing. We stole his pants. And she's like, you're right. That guy's such a dope.
1: Literally moments before she's like, I'm still going to marry him. Yeah. Like seconds before.
0: It just devalues races, cultures, genders, classes just across the board. And I really can't give my, my stamp of approval to this film.
1: I know. You know what? For me, what really did it for me. And
0: this is above Sophie's choice.
1: I know, but like I said, what did it for me is that the is the bojangle scene that you've got a the sort of climax, I guess, of this film because that I, that I think is the biggest number is a it's a minstrelsy show. I mean, you see his there's the, the curtains draw apart and his giant feet are you know his are and, the soles of his red giant lips, feet with the lips with the and hat. The know, that's his and, yeah. black face, and then it goes apart. And you see, he's got giant monstrous feet. Mm-hmm. and then it turns and he, and the, and this is the thing and I, I talked about this in the graduate course where we had looked at this piece I had said you know the dancing is fantastic the dancing it, you, I mean you have to admire that but it's really really hard to be okay with a film that spends a, I mean it's probably 12 minutes on a minstrel scene where he's in blackface dancing around Dancing with his shadow. It's. I mean, on top of that, this is a film that's about sexism at its core in terms of the plot. And then you've got the mustache-twirling, you know, cheating Spanish guys. I mean, ugh, it's really hard to be okay with this film.
0: And it's number 90 on the top 100 best American films. I know. <laughs> so it's crazy to me. But yeah, you're right. And I think what we should do is move on to our three questions because yeah. I think this really helps us. We're kind of already bleeding into that area anyway but sort of help us solidify some of our feelings about this film
1: yes let's, let's first do question that.
0: i have for you as always in case i get it mixed up which i guess happens is <laughs> do we care about this
1: film this is a hard one to answer you know the the dance numbers aside from the minstrel whatever i mean the dancing is is pretty i it's pretty damn good And it might be as good as it gets in terms of musicals. But then, of course, a big part of that is a minstrel show. Yeah. Which I just... So, I mean, yeah, I guess we have to.
0: Well, I said out of principle, no. right? I do not support or endorse or condone any of the themes of this film. Right. And honestly, for my money, Yankee Doodle Dandy does a fine job. And... Absolutely, I'd take Ginger Rogers over whoever the heroine of the other film was yeah. any day. But, again, that's just like appealing to like a baser notion of, like, ooh, pretty face.
1: Yeah. So maybe you're right. Although, I, I guess what this film does, and I... So, the, to, to go back to this do-we-care-about-it question, I think that probably the compilers of the list are thinking we care about this film... Because it is the er Ur musical. The real er Ur musical, right? Like it does all it puts all the pieces together in the way that we sort of recognize the musical as now, with like, you know, these yeah, it did the man and the woman dancing, tap dance and all that crap. But you're right, I mean, sort of categorically, with everything that this film is about and all of the 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 shit it contains, it's really hard to be it, 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 the conundrum well, that it you, like, sort of makes I, me think of... Pardon?
0: I haven't seen the other nine films that they did together. I, mean, I haven't either. <laughs> but one of those has to be less racist, right?
1: Yeah, and and I mean, th- what this is making me sort of think of is, like, the film Birth of a Nation. Like, if you ask me, do we care about mm, Birth of the Nation, yeah. Birth of a Nation is a terrible, awful, disgusting, terrible film, but... But you have to care about it, right? I and mean, you have speaking. to. And so so maybe the answer is this. Maybe the easy answer is this. We can care about this film. Caring doesn't necessarily mean – it does. it's not a positive. It's not a stamp of approval. And maybe this is a precedent we're setting in this podcast right now, is that if we, we can care about something but not be okay with it.
0: Sure, absolutely. Uh, as a side note, before we move on to our second question, I said there's going to be – another one of these nine films in which it's less racist or something but there is another one when i was doing when i was looking around um, trying to get some more context for these two as a pair there is a song in one of the films called we're in the money and oh
1: yeah bam 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 sorry i just And every little... other
0: female in that number are wearing just like gold coins like gold coin bikinis and so The meaning, we're in the money, is a little on the nose. (laughs) And it's, again, disgusting. So, yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe they're all like this. I don't know. I don't intend to find out either, though. So let's move on to our next question. Yeah, let's. What do we owe this film?
1: I mean, it really very much feels like the Ur musical. Like, Yankee Doodle Dandy, you know, sort of looked like a lot of the musicals we see today. But this, like... I. The whole structure of it, the you know, it's two. It's a fairly small cast of like important characters. Jumps into these big, extravagant dance numbers with a man and a woman.
0: Yeah, well, shit, Ethan. Think about this. It doesn't just give us the modern musical. This is a modern movie in a lot of ways. Like look, all this yeah. stuff's reflected today. So you've got uh, a few poorly rendered characters that are acted by like beautiful, gorgeous, talented people. That is all about spectacle and wealth and classism and racism and not so subtle sexism, right? So what it sounds like any film in theaters now for the most part. Yeah, it
1: feels very blockbustery. In like Like all the the wrong ways. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's kind of scary. Yeah, so I think you're right. Again, taking the sort of academic viewpoint that we tend to on films that's kind of harder to dredge out meaning. I think we do owe this film, just the modern idea of the musical, and how you know it's been described in many places that it's reading around in that it revolutionized the musical, and I'm willing to agree, like I've seen the evidence, so let's say yes, but again, no stamp of approval,
1: yeah, I don't feel good about it,
0: no, that's the, that. like yes, yeah, we owe it stuff, but I don't feel good about it. It's like owing money to a bad guy
1: right and i feel too like this is one of those kind of films that people i mean you've probably seen a clip of fred astaire and ginger rogers dancing together and no i i have a feeling that i mean probably very few people that i even know have seen this film ever but like would kind of recognize a bit of it and would probably recognize fred astaire and ginger rogers you know what i mean
0: right yeah no i i recognized fred astaire i didn't recognize well i recognized uh ginger rogers i didn't know who she was but i definitely recognized her right either the way that she was being uh caricatured in something else or her actual likeness but yes i agree that they're both very recognizable people and everyone knows the name fred astaire if not his his likeness
1: right so if anything it's been embedded in sort of a big extravagant old hollywood musical thing
0: yeah, let's close it out with our final question: Does it hold up?
1: I mean, I think the easy answer to that, aside from all of the dances, but the terrible blackface dance, is no. At resoundingly no. Like mm-hmm. you, I, unless you're watching this film with a with a completely pure. You know, entertainment value, sort of like you you just don't want to see like bright, well, not bright colors because it's black and white, but like you just want to see bright colors. But you and, still
0: have the impression of bright colors, you know, like that's what yeah. black and white does. Your mind fills in
1: the blanks. Yeah. And so, I mean, you like shiny things and pretty people and tap it a tap it whoo ha, whoo ha. I don't know what these noises that are coming out of me.
0: Overstimulation. Yeah. Of your yeah.
1: Then, so, then, yeah. Yeah. But, if you have a brain cell and you think about it in any critical way at all, you there's no way you, that this movie holds up. No yeah. way.
0: Critically, it doesn't hold up. And I think if you're not looking at it critically, you're probably not going to get around to watching this thing anyway. True. So it's kind of a no across the board.
1: I will say, however, though, I mean, your your comparison to today's blockbusters is pretty apt because if a lot of these films that you know these big summer films if you think about them for longer than a minute i mean you'd see a lot of the same thing happening so so <laughs> maybe it does hold well
0: up. well here's one important difference and i think this actually rescinds something i said earlier you never see anyone kiss in the film oh true you you see like they close the door on when um lucky and penny first kiss And then when she kisses Ricky, when they get engaged, he sees it in a mirror, and then he opens the door, we stop seeing it. Mm -hmm. And at the very end, you see him stand in front of her, and then, so, maybe I was wrong. It's incredibly risque in a lot of ways, but still, they don't show kissing.
1: Right, they don't show kissing, but the the scene where her nipples are, they might as well be out. They're okay with, but don't, don't, don't show anybody kissing.
0: Yeah, so some weird inconsistencies, at least to our modern sensibilities. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, it, I have to say, I did. I'm keep going back to comparing this to Yankee Doodle Dandy, and I think that's a fair comparison. Yeah, I think so. There's no fast talking in this film, as where Yankee Doodle Dandy is definitely at the time, or is, let's talk like this. Hey, here we go. Right, yeah. this is blah, 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 last. So I did appreciate that. I always have subtitles on in these old movies, but I didn't think they were super necessary in this case, as they were like crucial to Yankee Doodle Dandy.
1: Mm. Well, and, and you know, it's sort of like I said at the start. I mean, there is some good stuff in this. There were some genuinely I mean, I laughed out loud several times. And in terms of the dancing, again, I mean, I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, wow!" you know, all these sort of things. So sort of disembodied from the plot and most of what actually happens in the movie, you know, if this were some sort of variety show, it would hold up well. But as a cohesive whole, it's it's hard to say that it holds up.
0: So, here's what I can kind of recommend to our listeners. Uh, This probably exists. I have not confirmed this, but I bet you can go on YouTube, find every Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire song and dance number in those 10 films, in some sort of super compilation. Watch that, feel good, have some halcyon ideas of how things went down, and ignore all the racism, sexism, classism, and capitalism that is ingrained and enmeshed (laughs) in those things, and just have a good time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean if you want to see some like if you want to see some stellar stellar dancing. Just google the what's the the first song they sing where they dance in that dance studio.
0: What's well, pick yourself up is the song before, so I think that is also carried into the dance.
1: Yeah, that dance number, man, I was I was like watching this movie
0: yeah, that was impressive. Until
1: about that point, especially the song for that one where they're singing, I was like, oh, my God.
0: I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: I was like, I need to start pouring a drink right now because I don't really we to make it through this. But when they started dancing, I was like, oh, wait a second. Okay. And that yeah. scene and the dance scene where the, I'll never dance again or, you know, that. Right. That dance scene. Oh, that. I, ugh, but it's kind of sour ugh. do you think
0: of Ginger Rogers' Shoes Full of Blood.
1: on the 48th take until 4
0: a.m. when they're doing that. So yeah, just put those terrible thoughts out of your mind or don't live a tortured existence like Ethan and I do and we'll continue that tortured existence until our next film, number 89 on AFI's Top 100, The Sixth Sense.
1: Oh, I see dead people. I see dead
0: people. Yeah, so I've seen this one. I can say it's been a decade, but I have seen it. I look forward to seeing it again because it's it's in the '80s, you know. It's kind of up there in terms of of, of the list, and I want to know why. So my you know fourteen year old or thirteen or somewhere in there uh, mind probably didn't get some of the nuance if there was any. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what we find.
1: This one is firmly ingrained in sort of our moment.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And, and what a curveball coming out of swing time. <laughs>
0: yeah so uh until then i'm matt Bazell.
1: and i am ethan knight
0: and there will be spoilers
1: there will be spoilers i can't do a happy one at this one there Will Be Spoilers was hosted by Matt Bezell and me, Ethan Knight. We were produced by Matt Bezell. Our music is by the enigmatic Breakmaster Cylinder. You can find his music all over the internet. Google him. Our artwork was by Becca Knight. You can follow her on Twitter at BeccaTheKnight with a K. Or you can find her website at nightdraws.com. You can follow us on Twitter at SpoilersCast. Follow us on Facebook at There Will Be Spoilers. And you can shoot us an email if you want at spoilerscast at gmail.com. We plan on answering emails on our off week podcast, so be sure to send in your questions or comments. And finally, please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and or SoundCloud. and Review us, please. Thanks for listening. Swing time is the story of performer and gambler Lucky Garrett. Garnet. I can't read my own goddamn handwriting. Lucky garnet And plus, I screw names up every single time. Swing time is the story of performer and gambler Lucky Garrett. Gar- garnet. Garnet. <laughs> Why can't I do this right? Goddamn. Hold on. Let me just. <laughs> You're going to keep all this in, aren't
0: you? So much editing.
1: Don't go home, okay? I definitely won't. dreams while you're awake did people like
0: in graves and coffins